Hey everybody, welcome to the Good Lion Podcast. I am here with my friend, Mike Winger. How's it going, Mike? It is going good, Aaron. It's good to uh, get to spend a little bit of time with you digitally speaking. We haven't seen each other in quite a while. I know. We. I, I feel like I see you all the time because you're, 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 I am subscribed to your YouTube channel. So you're, yes. you're constantly playing in the background while I'm working in nice. my office. Yeah. No, I appreciate your stuff, man. That's why you're here. I'm going to give you a quick intro. Here we go. Mike Winger is an associate pastor at Hosanna Christian Fellowship in Bellflower, California. He's the founder and feature teacher of Bible Thinker Online Ministry, and he's my friend from camp. <laughs> That's right. We're camp buddies. <laughs> We're camp buddies. Mike Mike, and I, so I, I took over the youth group way back in the day at Calvary Vista, and I inherited the responsibility of hosting camps every year, and we invited all these churches Mike, your church was one of those churches, and so we were hanging out in the dorms together, you know, wrangling a bunch of middle school kids. It was good times. Yep, yep, back in the day, man. You you took on the <laughs> drudgery of leading a camp, which to me is a great sacrifice to make. <laughs> <laughs> It's not what I thought I would be doing at like 22 years old, yeah. um, but it, it taught me a lot about organization and responsibility and deadlines and all that great stuff. So I'm happy for it. And I'm glad that we became friends through that. I'm glad that uh, we know each other because it makes it easier to set up this interview. This, and, is, uh, this is true. Yeah. I was like, well, and, it's Aaron. I'll do it. <laughs> Yeah, I just I just appreciate you, man. You know, if I can compliment your ministry for a second, you know, I, I remember years ago when we knew each other and you were doing camps with me, you know, I would always check in to the other guys and just see what they were up to. And I remember you were before all this internet stuff blew up, I remember you were uploading your sermons onto YouTube, and I always thought that was cool because I did the same thing on SoundCloud. I just was like, Hey, I just want to preserve the stuff I'm doing and you know, the hope was like, ah, Maybe it'll reach one extra person outside my youth group, so it's worth uploading it. And so mm-hmm. I remember you were doing similar stuff, and then all of a sudden it just kind of blew up, and you 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 got this wide audience, and you're blessing a ton of people. Like I said to you before the interview, you're 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 I'm subscribed to your YouTube channel. It's playing in the background a lot of times while I'm working on websites and things. And so if I could describe your channel, it would be, this is my perception at least, you are known for thinking biblically about a wide variety of topics. You love to engage theology and explain it in a way that is easy to understand for anyone. And you even engage in debate and controversial topics, but in a respectful and measured way, which I appreciate. So is that is that a decent description of your show? I, I, I hope so. I hope that I'm doing all those things, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Learning to think biblically about everything is kind of a tagline that I like to share a lot because I think it summarizes so much of what I'm doing, you know, to hmm. pick a topic. Okay. Can we not just proof text, but really go deep into what scripture says about that issue? And then, hmm. um, and then, and then doing so hopefully in a godly and brotherly fashion, even if we disagree on things. So, but yeah, it's been, you know, to you, it seems like it blew up, but really it has been very slow, steady growth over mm. time. And then, mm-hmm. you know, someone who hasn't thought about it in a couple of years, they look over at my YouTube channel and they go, whoa, it just got all big. But it was like, well, that's only 6 million, you know, man hours of work that went into that. So <laughs> it's a lot of work, but it's worth the investment. But if, since we're going to talk about doing online ministry stuff, I just want people to know I've never tried to blow up. And <laughs> when when I done things that I thought, oh, this will be this will do really good. This would probably get lots. It's that's generally not how it works. And it's not a great way mm. to, in my opinion, it's not this. It's not the reliable way to get a following mm. online is to try to create viral content. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's that's encouraging to me because, yeah, I'm somebody who also has a heart for online ministry. And I would say that while this show has an audience, I wouldn't say that we've blown up. So, yeah, it's encouraging to hear that from you. And I'm sure we'll get into a lot of that kind of stuff. The reason I brought you on today was the topic I thought you'd be great at covering was just online ministry, how to do online ministry, how to do it well, how to do it effectively, no matter what scale you're at with it, because you've been doing it at a small scale, you've been doing it at a medium scale, you've been doing it at a large scale. And so, yeah, I thought you'd be the right person to talk to about this because you're a guy, it's just as you said, you've never really tried to blow up. And sometimes I talk to guys where that's all they think of. It's just how to blow up and how to be successful. And, you know, like certain people, like uh, once they become successful, their whole thing becomes trying to sell success to other people, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, And and, and that's not really you, man. You've got a humble heart. Your heart is very much on the ministry. So one thing that you spoke about a few months ago, I think it was, I saw you on YouTube basically talking about how you had this vision of wanting to see new content creators kind of rise up and use their gifts for God. And that really struck me. I was blessed by that, man. You were coming up with a second YouTube channel, like kind of teaching people and showing people how to do that. And so as somebody who himself is interested in that and wants to reach people online, I just thought this would be a great conversation. So before we get into some questions, I would love to ask you specifically if you could tell us sort of your story. Like, how did you get into doing online ministry? Where did the whole Bible Thinker brand come from? Like, just kind of take us through that journey. So I I started doing online ministry stuff in a sense, many, many years ago on Yahoo Answers. I don't know if you know Yahoo Answers, but you know, it's oh, a question man. and answer website. I don't know. From I gotta ask Jeeves. <laughs> yeah. And so people would ask questions there. They had a religion and spirituality section. You could ask questions there, then people would give, would give answers. And I would go on there to witness. You know, I would. there's mm. tons of skeptics that would be in the religion and spirituality section, just kind of trolling people. And I would just be giving really sincere answers. It was like, no matter how trolly their questions were, I would just give really honest, thoughtful, sincere answers. And and I was doing that for a while and just trying to like do that sort of thing. And then at a certain point, I mean, I really believe God laid it on my heart to do something outside of my own work in ministry, which was I'm the the youth pastor at my church at the time. I'm Mm -hmm. also doing like some stuff with men's ministry. I was, you know, domestic violence counseling. You know, you wear a lot of hats, right? So I'm I'm primarily youth ministry, but I'm doing a lot of things. And I felt like the Lord like really laid it on my heart to do something else, something in addition that was beyond Hosanna, Mm, but I didn't mm. want to take away from Hosanna. And I'm like, well, how do I do more without taking away? And I thought, well, I could just upload content online. So I did some research and my conclusion with my research was that YouTube would be the best location to do it. Although it would be probably the hardest and longest to break through as far as different places where I could do it. I I wanted longevity. I wanted, wanted stuff that would still be viewed like years from now and not just be kind of live for a week and then disappear. Hmm. And so, yeah, YouTube was the thing. There's a bunch of reasons why, but YouTube was the thing. And I started uploading content just experimentally. My first video was how to get a pick out of a guitar. <laughs> I'm just, I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I want to see what happens when I upload a video. So I just made a video and uploaded it. And um, that's a, that's <clears throat> a valuable technique right, right there. Yes. That's, that's, yes. that's a good thing to know. Yeah. Using the centrifugal force to flip the guitar anyway. <laughs> 
At any rate, I started then producing short videos just experimentally. They, they weren't that great and they didn't do very good online either for the most part. When it actually started growing was when I, and I didn't really have a heart for the short videos. I didn't really know what I was doing. But when it started growing is when my pastor asked me uh, to do a Sunday night service. He goes, do you want to teach a Sunday evening service? We don't have one. You could do it. It could be for all ages and you could teach whatever you want. And I thought, I'll do that. I'd love to do that. With youth <laughs> ministry, you're, you're sort of limited on what you cover and how much yeah. time you spend on any particular topic. But with this, I thought, oh, I could cover anything. I could do stuff that I've been itching to talk about and go through. So I started doing it. And I the second week we did it, the first week I said, hey, guys, I have a camera at home. If somebody wants to man the camera, we can record it and I'll put it online. And then a buddy was yeah. like, I'll do that. And so the second week of that study, we start recording it. And then every week I'm putting out a video and I was preparing lots of hours for these teachings. And I just I've been doing that now for, what, six years? <laughs> So it's every week, you know, six, six years of putting out content. And when I hit about 10,000 subscribers, maybe three, four years ago, three, three, three and a half years ago, anyway, something like that, about three and a half years ago, hmm. I hit 10,000 subs and my pastor came to me and said, I think this is going to be your main thing. And I think that you should hmm. focus on doing online ministry. I think it's going to be bigger than Hosanna, than our church, as far as the reach goes. And then wow. you should emphasize that. And so my life changed and I started shifting towards that and really investing even more time studying the algorithms of YouTube more, trying to understand how online stuff, you know, works better and and then changing my content strategies to try to make them better and better for YouTube and continue to put out just tons of content, lots of hard work and research and videos. Then yeah. that year I went from 10,000 to 40,000 subs. Wow. That was a huge jump. And then from 40 wow. to like 100,000. And then, I mean, as of today, I'm at like 280 something thousand. And the reach is insane. I mean, the amount of, the amount of people I get to reach, but it's literally, it's just me. I have one assistant. I study wow. I, most of my time. Wow. I just study, right? That's the vast majority <laughs> of my time and my schedule. And then I'll produce like an hour long teaching on a topic going verse by verse or a theological issue. And people have been, you know, if, if the content blesses people, they'll watch it. You know, it's, it's, it's more organic than it is algorithmic when you really get into these issues. It's really about yeah, yeah. people, not computers. And you learn that and it, that, that helps. Hmm. Wow. That's incredible, man. I mean, it's, it's really cool to see. It's cool to hear the journey. It's, it's cool to see how a lot of it wasn't you trying to force things, but it was God sort of moving and working organically. Right. I mean, that's that's really like the hope, you know, for a lot of people is that they won't have to break down doors necessarily. And, and not that it's not a lot of hard work because it is, but it, it's great to see when the Lord is in something that he does lead and guide and open those doors. And so, yeah, it's a great story, man. I, I think where I want to go from there is I'd want to ask you, you know, your your encouragement for people to start ministries, to start online ministries. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people would look at someone like you and say, why should I do that when Mike Winger is already doing it? You know, why, <laughs> why, why you know, when there's guys like Mike Winger or Ruslan or is that how you say his name? Is it Ruslan Roos or Ruslan? I think you're thinking of Ruslan. Ruslan. Yeah, I watch yeah. him a lot. I should probably learn how to pronounce his name. But when you are the Bible Project, you know, when you have mm -hmm. these amazing YouTube channels that are doing stuff at such a high quality, there's a lot of people that are intimidated. And it's like, why should I even start it? when it's, I, I'm never going to be able to do it as well as they do. I'm going to, I'm going to suggest a couple things. First off, quality is not that important. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not content mm. over quality any day of the week. There mm. are, there are companies that have paid millions and millions of dollars 
to get commercials that they thought might go viral online. And they just sat there getting no views because even though they spent massive <laughs> budgets producing these really carefully thought out commercials, nobody cares. So mm. then there's mm. like this guy with his janky old like camcorder filming some random person in the middle of the street dancing. And then that goes viral because it's not about quality. So I have slowly improved my quality, but for a very long time, I used my like $90 webcam and for <laughs> lighting, I just brought in extra lamps and open windows and stuff like I put lights in my bookcase, I spent 40 bucks and put lights in my bookcase with a drill, mm. just running, well done. The, threading the lights well around, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's true. And then as it grew, I was able to, oh, I could get a better microphone now. I could get a better camera. But quality, yeah, quality is not that important. What I will say is this. Why should you consider starting? Because you have something unique to offer. And this mm. is, okay, this could be seen as like sort of a secular pep talk where we pretend like everybody's a superstar. <laughs> I'm not trying to do that. What I mean is this. Like, if you, if any of you guys out there listening, you've watched my videos, you know I am not normal. Like, I know <laughs> that too. Like, I'm not a normal teacher. I'm not a normal pastor. Like, the way I teach is different. And the things yeah. that I care about and that I'll labor on are different than what somebody else will. There's another pastor, like look at say like John Corson, who we know in our, our Calvary circles, right? Right, the right, man right. Is, the man is tremendously encouraging. <laughs> yeah. He has, his teaching is unique in that regard. It's like, I don't know how many teachers are so encouraging as John Corson. Mm. There's very few. When he teaches, he brings a unique benefit to the people who are listening. There's very few pastors that are going to dig into teaching the way I do, focusing on the types of theology, apologetics I am. It, it's just, I'm going to bring a unique thing into the body of Christ. And if that's you, if you have like a unique, different kind of gifting, that's especially good for you to have online. If mm. you sort of are extreme in one particular area, that's especially good to have an online ministry because mm. now you're meeting that exact need. I don't think for online ministry, it pays to try to be everything to every person. It's better to actually focus on what you're best at and just drill yeah. down on that, like really dig in on that. And mm. Mm. that could be somebody who's like, they're just super good at, at giving parental advice, like counseling people on how to parent their kids, walking through tough situations. And then when they go, yeah, but when it comes to like theological debates, I have no clue. Then I'm like, go right. ahead, do it. Just don't do right. theological debates, like focus on what you're good at. And, right. and that's what I've done is I've just, I've do teaching that I think if I went to a random church and taught this on Sunday morning, people would be like, well, that was kind of a letdown. <laughs> like, I do that kind of teaching all the time, but I'm meeting a special need in the body of Christ. And I think that that's, how you can determine if you should do a, something or not. Focus on do my gifts line mm. up with some group of people and their needs. Now go do online ministry. That's really good. I, I, I like that a lot, man, because, uh, you know, for, for me, I feel like I personally am someone that's drawn to that special stuff in a sense because I have certain pastors I listen to and I know they're going to expositionally go through the Bible and they're going to do certain things and you know, th there's some pastors where I'm like, okay, I really want to hear this guy's take on this, or I want to hear this guy's take on that. But then when it comes to addressing specific issues of things that are going on in culture, things that are going on in the evangelical Christian world, and some of those debates behind the scenes and all that kind of stuff, it's like your senior pastor on a Sunday morning isn't going to do that. And that's not to say that what he's doing isn't good. What he's doing is very needed. Right. But I feel like for Christians, it's like there is a desire for not just like one, it's kind of like, I like chicken, but I also like steak and I like fish. And so it's good that people are providing multiple things. I don't know if that was a terrible youth, youth <laughs> pastor analogy. I just pulled out of thin air. I don't even know if that makes sense, but yeah. I'm just trying well, to say I, the variety is yeah. good. I, I completely agree. It's like, don't try to be everything. 
Hmm. Look, yeah. And, and how do you figure out what you're going to be? Well, look at look at your your gifts. Look at what you're good at. Look at what right. you're passionate about, but not like what my heart loves. Like, I mean, like what you're willing to <laughs> follow spend your heart. Yeah, follow your, but like the, the <laughs> topics you're willing to dig on, the, the issues that you're willing to, to care about and to be passionate about, to let me put it, I'll put it this way in a better word than passion is what areas are you willing to persevere? Yeah, I don't just want to yeah. dabble in that. Like I will persevere on this because it really deeply is important. And I think that mm. my gifts connect with it, man, mm. then you've got an online ministry. So maybe it's dealing with pop culture phenomenons and how to view that as a Christian. Maybe it's doing Christian comedy, uplifting <laughs> Christian comedy. Yeah. That, I think that that's a ministry to people right. and, uh, when it's yeah. done in a godly yeah. way uh, and not in an area. When the comedian becomes arrogant, that's when everything gets, gets, goes downhill. <laughs> but, but I think uh, there's, yeah. you know, there's yeah. all kinds of different ministries that can happen there. Mm. Somebody could just be like, I just offer encouragement. Like I, I tune in every mm. day. I do. I read a scripture, offer an encouragement. That's it. But only if you're like really good at that. Is that going to work? Right. Like you've right. got to be uniquely gifted in that particular area. And then you can do that online. And I think it'll be successful. Yeah. My, my dad always used the illustration. I think he stole it from John Corson, but it's the idea of be a sharpshooter instead of a shotgun. So yeah. like find your thing and shoot that and don't necessarily try to, you know, be the shotgun that shoots out all the different pellets in all the different directions. Find the thing that you're good at and focus on it. The thing that you said about quality too, man, that, <laughs> that was just like twisting the knife in me a little bit because I don't know if that makes sense. So I, I, the role that I'll play in this conversation is the role of the content creator who is like the struggling artist trying to figure out if what he's doing is effective. So this show, The Good Lion Podcast, this is a part of a bigger ministry that God kind of put on my heart after I left Vista, Calvary Vista as the youth pastor. And I was like, what do I do next? And I had started a podcast and God led me to basically, what he, what he put on my heart was like, don't start the Aaron Salvato speaking and preaching ministry. You have other friends that are starting podcasts. Build a platform that elevates not just yourself, but other people. And so, yeah, we started this podcast network with like three shows, and now we have about 40. And yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's still kind of in its infancy, but it's become kind of the official Calvary Chapel Global Network podcast network. And I'm really blessed by it, you know, and, and it's kind of a humbling thing because, you know, I'll have shows on the network that are doing way better than mine. And it's kind of like the reminder in my mind of, you know, this is God's ministry. It's not my ministry. So it's like a very, you know, bring you back down to earth kind of thing for me, which is good. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a good thing. It's a humbling thing. This show that, that we're, that <laughs> you listeners are currently listening to has about, you know, 300 people it reaches every week. And that's something that <laughs> it's so weird because it's like, there's this internal battle and struggle where I see other people in like their podcast or YouTube or like reaching a thousand people or 2000. And I'm like, Oh, how do I get there? But then like the Lord's like, when you were a youth pastor, you were only reaching like 20 people in a room. So yeah. why can't you just be happy with 300? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Aaron, listen, man, I, I mean, here's my honest, <laughs> this is my true mentality about these things. When I was do, cause it was very slow growth. I was putting in, mm. I would study for 30 hours, give one teaching yeah. and yeah. A week later, it has 80 views. <laughs> and it's like, why? Why here's am what I I'm doing thinking. This? Here's what I'm thinking. <laughs> would I have done that for a room of 80 people? Mm. Absolutely, mm. I would have. I would have done it for a room of seven people. Like, so when I was thinking of it like this, it's like, this is only good. This is only good. Yeah. And it's only if I measure myself against some standard of like, this is success. Yes. And then I might get discouraged. But instead, if I'm just thinking, 
look, faithfulness is my is my initial measure. I want to measure my faithfulness. And second, am I impacting and reaching people? Yes, mm. I am. And then part of it is to realize with online stuff, the um, the more you dial in your stuff, the better you make your content and the better you target your specific audience and the, and the more you reward them by giving them real help of w- in whatever kind you're bringing them, you're meeting a need they will naturally be watching more of your stuff. And, yeah. and even old content that you did like, a, you know, years ago can can suddenly start taking off because of that faithfulness. Eventually people, they, they find you, they go, oh, I really like this. Let me go back to right. number one and start watching, you know, or listening. Right. Yeah, no, it's been an interesting journey because there's been plenty of points during this process where I've been kind of like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I putting so much work and effort into this? And then like that week, I'll get a random message from somebody who's like, oh my gosh, this really helped me. I've been struggling. Like this episode changed my life or even not changed my life, but just, you know, it really helped me. And God's just been using that. It's not like an everyday thing that happens, but when it does happen, it's definitely an encouragement to keep doing it. And uh, yeah, yeah, it... it, with, it so for yeah. me with online stuff, it's it's been this thing of... If I wasn't trained through years of normal church ministry to be content yes. with tiny little crowds, right? then I might have had a bigger struggle with doing the online thing. But I mm. feel like I got trained. And so when you start ministry, you're like thinking, you're like, you know, you're in your 20s, you're starting to do ministry and you're thinking like, I wonder how long till I get like my Greg Laurie sized church, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, or something right. along those lines. And you would never say that out loud, but right. somewhere it was this part of you that was, that was like hoping for that, wanting that. And by the time I started doing online ministry, that had already been beaten out of me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so I was just yes. like, um, you know what, Lord, I just want to be faithful. And, and if you ask me like, do you, do you want a giant ministry, Mike? I'd be like, I don't know. That sounds kind of intimidating. Like, I just want to be faithful and see what God does. <laughs> Yeah, no, totally. That that whole thing of it getting beaten beaten out of you, years of youth ministry, you know, where you're preaching to the same group of kids for over a decade and it's like they no longer care about anything you have to say because they feel like they've heard it a million times. Like <laughs> that that beat all the ego out of me. And so, yeah, my co-host and I, Brian, we have kind of a different approach because he's always kind of like, what can we try to try to make us awesome. And then I'm usually like, oh, I don't think it'll work. We're not that awesome to begin with. So it's a, uh, but it's a good balance there. I, I, I think I'd, I'd want to ask next, uh, for someone who wants to get into this kind of ministry, how much training should you have? Because I see a lot of Christians on things like Instagram and TikTok, and they're trying to make content, but sometimes the theology can be a little bit shallow. And you can tell it's somebody who doesn't have a lot of depth, but they're trying their best. What would your encouragement be like? Should you take a season to study and learn or should you just jump in and use what you know? I think it depends on perhaps how much self-awareness you've got. So mm. if you're somewhat unaware of certain theological things, but you know it, then you'll, you will naturally police yourself that, so that you won't overstate and over, over speak on issues. But mm. if there is a lack of self-awareness, then you're going to make brash statements. But personally, before I teach something, I ask myself, Am I sure about that? Do I have a, do I have a source on that? Have I checked that? And so there's mm. been issues that I don't even teach on. And people know me as like, oh, Mike teaches. He teaches on all these different topics. What you don't know is that like I don't know it all off the top of my head. I spent yeah, you know, ten or eighty hours or whatever hours. prepping for that study <laughs> and double checking that issue. And you don't know how many things I've have that if I was just speaking off the cuff, I might <laughs> say this and say that and say this. And then in my studies, I go you know, I'm not sure where that came from, or I don't know 100% sure. So I go and double check things and I end up pulling them out. There's other topics that I won't even teach on yet. Like for a long time, I wouldn't teach on the topic of the unforgivable sin. And then I did like a little research thing on it and I did a teaching on it finally. 
Currently, I'm not mm. answering the question, even though I get asked every day, <laughs> I'm not answering the question <laughs> of women in ministry because mm. I haven't personally invested enough time in it. But I'm going to mm. do, I'm literally going to do like at least a month of research on the topic here this year and do a full teaching on the issue, covering all the bases, reading as much stuff as I can find on it, scholarly debates and all that. So what I'm what I'm saying is like if there's a self-awareness that's there that polices you, keeps you from overstepping and saying stuff that, you know, is dumb, mm. <laughs> <laughs> then then you then you can you can relax more and you can step out more. So I, that's I think great. Yeah. Self-awareness is the big thing to me. That's huge, man. And I think what you're doing is such a valuable ministry in my mind. And it's something that honestly inspires me. I, I, I would, I would, <laughs> I would aspire to even do a little bit of kind of what you're doing in that aspect. But I love I love that it is so great for those of us in the faith to have people who have the time and resource to do study on like deep dives into topics that a lot of us don't actually have the time to. And yeah, of course, we should all be Bereans and do our own study. But there is something to be said about having voices that you trust and voices that you know, okay, if this guy comes at me with something, even if I don't agree with where he lands, at least I can respect that he put in a mountain's worth of research into it. And that's going to make me take what he says way more seriously. And I, I think we need that. We need people like that. You know, I know that you don't necessarily brand yourself as like a Calvary Chapel guy. And and for me, like I work for Calvary Global Network, but I feel very much a part of the global body of Christ. The content that we make here at Good Lion isn't just for Calvary people, it's for everybody. And so, but I will say as a guy, you know, who considers you kind of from the same Calvary tribe, I love having guys like you connected to us in the sense that we can go, okay, yeah, like... I haven't done my research on this yet, but I know Mike has. So I'm going to check out what he has to say. And then that's going to help inform my own research process. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, I definitely consider myself like in many ways a Calvary guy. I just think that online, I don't want to say that I represent Calvary. Right. Because same because there's some areas that I actually disagree, but they're they're all my, in my <laughs> opinion, they're all minor areas. Right. But I, but I oh, do yeah. disagree with traditional teaching here and traditional teaching there. And I don't want I don't want Calvary Chapel to be on the hook for something I'm saying like that. So I, you know, I've tried to create that division that's there that says, hey, this is me. This isn't Calvary Chapel. If, if I have an opinion about, say, something that would disagree with say, what Pastor Chuck said, then. Yeah. Yep. Calvary can go, OK, but that's just Mike. Like he's in a sense, I'm a Calvary guy, but it's more of a I, I don't I'm not official in a sense that I represent, although I'm ordained through Calvary Chapel. So. Oh, yeah. Same. Okay, here's my next question for you. How do you, what would your encouragement be to anybody getting started in online ministry? How do you balance local ministry responsibilities and online stuff? Because online stuff yeah. takes a lot of time. For me, if I, I, I like, <laughs> I started doing video a while ago, tried it, it like crippled everything else that I was doing. The podcast suffered, like ev all the local ministry stuff I was doing because I was trying to do it all by myself. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it online stuff does take a lot of time. What would your encouragement be to somebody trying to balance that? Um, I was terrible at that. So I was doing okay when I did one video a week and it was a teaching video. But when, whenever I came up to issues that were really complicated and required a lot of extra work, like there were times where I was teaching something that was, it was 40 hours that week just preparing for the online teaching. And then I'm a youth pastor and I teach two other services a week. Right. And I 
you know, trying to take kids to lunch and I'm picking kids up on Tuesday morning at like 6 a.m. so we can do devos and inductive Bible study before school. And then I drop them off, you know, like all that was going on at the same time. That was too much. And I, I definitely overdid it. And here's my biggest caution online, especially online content. It will give you that it will reward you for overworking <laughs> and it's dangerous because that can hurt you physically. It can hurt your ministry. It can hurt you. So my encouragement would be to be pretty honest about what your needs are and about how much you can do. And so for me, I, I did like 60 hours a week for way too long and that was really mm. unhealthy. And so mm. I started to transition out of youth ministry. I started by, well, I, I slowly handed off everything. I was like, okay, I'm going to stop doing dom domestic violence counseling, you know, a few times a week. I'm going to stop doing, I'm going to start saying no to like, you know, opportunities to do like a marriage and things like this or a wedding. And I just started kind of slowly saying no to everything until it was just youth ministry and online ministry. And even then, when I found out my future was going to be in online ministry and I started doing live streams and mm. weekly content, multiple videos a week, that's when I could not keep up. And yeah. so for youth ministry, I, I, I feel, feel bad about this, but the last book I taught in youth ministry on Sundays was John. And I taught John's gospel because I had taught it several years back. And I was like, this, I, I can teach without spending as much time studying. And right. I think there were good studies. Don't get me wrong. But I hated yeah, picking yeah. a book because it wouldn't take as much prep. <laughs> I'm like, I, but I'm still working 60 plus hours a week, you know? Well, so, well that, that yeah. comes from, that comes from that Calvary Chapel, like work ethic. That's like drilled into us of like, you need to be teaching every Sunday and every Wednesday yeah. and don't ever have a guest speaker and you're the guy <laughs> yeah. and you need to teach through every book of the Bible within five years. And you know, yeah. Like, so so. I, I don't know how to balance this stuff. What I know, Aaron, is that right. I, I didn't do great at it. And, and this, and it's, it's a big issue for people doing online stuff is there's a bunch of guys or girls on their own pushing content out. And if you can just work mm. more hours and if you could just work harder and work longer, you can rise above the tide. That's yeah. a dangerous environment yeah. to be in. And it's one that I'm still trying to figure out how to pull the brakes back. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's encouraging to me, honestly. Like, I feel like I, I need to hear that because for me personally, I, I've been, long story short, just doing the 60 hour a week thing for almost two years, basically, because yep. I, I left Calvary Vista, started a nonprofit that was like designing free websites for churches and missionaries, and then started the podcast network and, you know, was doing all that independently. And, you know, just between that, it was like I was fighting to make ministry happen. And in order to do that, I had to also freelance and do web design for clients because I, I wasn't getting funded for any of this at the start. of. So, yeah, it, it's it's been like 60 hour weeks. And now I'm about to have my first son. And so something happened in my mind where I was yeah. like, do I really want to do 60 hour weeks forever and ever? And it was like, yeah, I was thinking, okay, I'm at this point with all the media stuff I'm doing, but in order to get better, I'm going to have to push myself further. And the Lord just really kind of hit me and was like, no, just trust me. Just do what you can to reach the people that you can and then trust me with the rest. And so yeah. it's, it's, a, it's encouraging to hear you say that because I, I feel like for a lot of us, it's like we want what we do to be successful, but we're not willing to just be content with the sphere of influence that God's put in front of us. Yeah. You know? And, and if, if anybody out there is listening, they're like me. Nobody has to put a whip to my back to make me work. Mm. You know, Same. I take a day off. I love, I love what I do. Yeah. I take a day off and like halfway through, I'm like, I should probably <laughs> go do some work. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my wife laughs at me because of this. Right. And, and what I've realized is that's not sustainable. This is, this is a marathon. Yeah. Like, so doing online content. Yeah. Yeah. You might go viral. Okay. Good luck with that. More likely what's going to happen is you're going to be slow and steady wins the race. So you're going to kind of like just keep putting content out. So you have to be able to do this for years to come. It has to be sustainable. 
And yeah. this has caused me to dial back and I'm continuing to dial back. I might be dialing back more in the future. We'll see as I frustrate and irritate everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, but it's got to be sustainable or else or else the person doing the ministry is going to quit or they're yeah. or they're or they're yeah. have a heart attack or something. I mean, it's just you can't right. just candle at both ends for too long because that candle's going to get all burnt. <laughs> it's all gone. No, these are these are good warnings. Yeah. Yeah. This is for me. This is a trip listening to you talk about it because I uh I have really mixed feelings about online ministry and and YouTube specifically, and mm-hmm. it stems from. So this is this is going to sound really weird, <laughs> but I was a part of a production company back in like 2007 or, or 2006, I think is when we started. But it was a puppetry production company. We were we were inspired by Jim Henson. And we were doing these puppet videos and basically we blew up on YouTube at like the early days of YouTube. So like this is, you know, I think YouTube came out in 2005. So we started in 2006. We got featured on the front page of YouTube and it got to the point where like long story short, we we got so many people interested in us that one guy wanted us to move to Hollywood to make a movie. And he like was having us write a script. And then another guy actually invested like tons of money into what we were doing. And we were able to like rent out a production company and a studio with green screens and lights. And what I found in doing that, because I was one of the performers, but I was also the guy who was in charge of all the video, the editing, the websites, like I was the production guy. I obsessed over that stuff. Like I defined myself by the likes and the comments and the views. And Mm -hmm. that's how, you know, because I mean, this is before I even got involved in ministry. I was like, you know, my late teens when all this was happening. And I was kind of a loser in school. And so like this for me, I was like, this is how I'm going to get validation, you know, is through this stuff. And so God pulled me out of that. He pulled me into ministry really quickly from that. That's when I started volunteering in the youth group that I eventually led. But so it's like, I always think back to that time period and it's like, oh man, like that temptation, even with what I'm doing now with podcasting, it's, it's so hard to not get wrapped up in the numbers of it and and feeling like you are successful, you're not based on that. So how do you, how do you deal with that? And um, how did you throughout the whole journey? Yeah, early on, there was, <clears throat> there was a time when I felt a little discouraged, but it wasn't just about numbers. I guess it was discouragement because I felt like I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. Mm. I didn't have a vision for how what I was doing was helping people. And then <clears throat> later on down the road, I started getting figuring out what I was doing on YouTube, like a content strategy and how it was going to help people and leaning towards my gifts more and all that kind of thing. So now I feel like I try to separate things. I go, look, here's me. I'm laboring. I'm serving, and I think it's really impacting people's lives. I know it is because we we get comments like every day now. Every day we get not comments, emails, messages, and, and snail mail and all that, and and it's like amazing. But mm-hmm. I I what it makes me feel like is okay, good. Like I've checked. There's a box I'm checking, which is like, Lord, I'm seeking for your kingdom. Or I'm I'm having an impact for mm-hmm. your kingdom in the world. But that box cannot exist in my perception of self. Mm, like mm. I, that, ha, that can't have any effect on my perception of self. People online, generally speaking, Aaron, they think too highly of me. I know I have trolls, I have people, I have haters, I have that kind of thing. I have plenty of those. But for every one of those, there's like 10 who are like probably estimating me far too highly. They probably think way too much of me. They see me at my best. They see me after I, con- I study right. tons, I pray over it and I come and I bring this teaching and they probably think I just float around all day like doing that, you know, <laughs> and, and I'm just a normal Christian with normal struggles. 
And yeah. I cannot get my sense of personal self-worth and satisfaction from those things because it won't work. Yeah. Like someone's like, well, that's Mike, good. that's easy to say. But look, you've got so many subscribers and so many views and so many so much attention. And I'm like, look, it never works. There's a no yeah. point at which it works. It's like this. There's this book I read when I was a kid. I can't even remember the name of the book. It might have been the Phantom Toll Booth. Maybe I was <laughs> I was really young and I read it. Maybe it was for school. I don't know. And this hmm. kid is kind of like in like almost like a dream. And in this world he's in, he visits a place where they feed him minus soup. It's called minus soup. And he, when he eats the soup, he gets hungrier. Mm. And so he wants more. So he eats more and he gets hungrier and hungrier and hungrier. And the more he eats, the hungrier he gets. And that is getting my self-worth from social media, right? The more I eat it, yeah. the hungrier yeah. I am for it, the less it satisfies, the more I need it. And anyway, for me, I try to do what probably should be common sense to all of us is to say, my self-worth cannot be coming. My, my sense of, forget self-worth, let me use a different phrase. My sense of satisfaction with my life can't come from how much attention I get online because, mm. and here's the real danger there. Then I forget that godly character is much more important. Mm. Being a godly husband, being a good friend, being a good son, a good mm. brother, a good father, being a Christian who follows Jesus when no one's looking like that's where the real value is. Yeah, um, amen. So anyway, there's a couple mm. of things that I, that I look at. I, I, I ignore, I ignore those things. People offer me compliments. I'm just like, here's me, here's how I process it. I'm grateful that this ministry is affecting their life in a positive way, but that's right. not enough for me. I need to be serving Jesus in my life, you know, apart from online. That's good. That's really, really good. And I think a good follow-up question for that would be, this This one came from my buddy, uh, Brian Higgins, who's the co-host of this show. I, I just asked him, you know, hey, would you, would you have any good questions for Mike? And he asked, how do you balance personal growth with ministry growth? Because... You know, for a lot of us who've been in pastoral ministry, there's already that struggle where it's like, I am studying scripture throughout the week to prepare these sermons. And if you're a Calvary guy, it's like sometimes two sermons a week, you know, that's what a lot of us were doing. And so it's like, when do you find time to actually grow yourself? When do you find time? Like, when are, when are you doing things where it's not prep for a video, not prep for a sermon, not research? When, when do you do things where it's just for Mike Winger's own personal growth? And how do you balance that? Um, <clears throat> so I don't have a highly structured answer to that question, but I'll say a couple things. One is I don't ascribe to the idea that my, my, that my prep for teaching doesn't like fit inside the category of personal growth. I just, I grow a lot as I prep and it depends on yes. the topic. Some topics are taxing, but many topics are very fulfilling. And so as I'm studying and prepping, I'm often like, God, you're amazing. This is amazing. Like, look at this. Right. That's so amazing. Right. You know, and I'm like rejoicing and praising God, even in the middle of prep. Other times it's mm. like a really tough topic and it feels kind of like there's not that sort of sense of like in having a personal devotional time or something like that. That's fine. Then do more like I'll, maybe for me, you know, it's musicians, right? So I pull up a guitar and I'll sing. I'll pick up my guitar and start singing to the Lord. I'll, me and my wife will be, uh, we, we do church, you know, and, together. And so we're, we're yep, um, yep. growing from that. I'll go on a walk and pray. I'll, I'll stop. If I'm feeling frustrated, I pray. I mean, prayer is a normal part of the Christian's life. When you, especially if you're yeah. feeling down or feeling drained or feeling empty, then you pray, you seek the Lord. So, yes. But I often get great benefits, especially as I do verse by verse teaching. So like that is to me, I'm studying the Mark gospel of Mark right now. Right. And I'm studying it. And I'm yeah. looking at it and I see this. It's brilliant. Aaron, it's so stinking oh, yeah. brilliant. Dude, I that, love it. That <laughs> it's rewarding and exciting and ministrous to me as I prepare for others. Yeah. 
So yeah, I, I if if your if your own prep to teach never ministers to you, that to me seems strange. <laughs> that's a problem. Yeah. yeah, dude, that's that's encouraging because I've struggled with this myself. I am not a very structured person. Higgins and I talk about this all the time, but he's much more structured. I'm more of an artistic bent, and so structure has always been really hard for me. So. I've struggled with like the daily devotion, like getting up at the same time every day and, you know, having this rhythm. I'm much more of a, I'm researching things and I'm doing things and I'm thinking through things and I'm going to meet with people. And the thing that has really helped me, it's exactly what you said. It's basically realizing that I am doing those things with Jesus. Like he is present as I'm doing those things. And it's easy to do ministry and and prep for a sermon and research things and not tap into the reality of, hey, I'm actually spending time with God right now. But I try to think of it in the concept of like, okay, Peter and James and John and those guys, when they were studying and researching and, and ministering, Jesus was right there with them. Like during those early days of Jesus's ministry, he was next to them. He was the one teaching them. He was the one helping them research. He was the one giving them food to pass out to other people. So I, I don't think that the spiritual life should only thrive on that stuff because you'll burn yourself out. But it, it, it's been a nice balance for me to realize, like, anytime I'm studying, researching, serving, Jesus is present, he's with me, and I can connect with him in those moments. And it's not just like, oh, I can only do that during my quiet time in the morning. Mm-hmm. So now it's like the, all of that enhances my quiet time when it happens, you know, yeah. and, and the prayer, you know, that that happens in, in kind of a solitary moment. It, it all it all flows together and connects more. And so, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. That's That's encouraging to me, at least. So the internet is designed to promote polarized content. I've noticed this. Like, I don't know if you've noticed this, but like Facebook especially. Facebook, I think, is the biggest culprit of this. There have been times where I've posted some theological comment that somehow connects to something going on with politics or or a theological debate, and that will get like a ton of engagement. And then I'll post like something I think, oh, this is a really deep, encouraging thought. And it, but it has nothing inflammatory about it. And like, it'll get like just crickets. And so I feel like the internet is designed, it runs on outrage. And, and people, a lot of people have learned if you want your content to be successful, you have to play into that. You have to address the things that kind of are, it's a part of the endless cycle of outrage. So how, how do you deal with that? How do you cut through that without constantly being clickbaity? Maybe there's some kind of balance that goes on here where you say, here's an issue that's polarizing. I'm not going to try to polarize everybody about it. But to me, that means it must be important, right? And handling it carefully and well. And so that if you cover a controversial or polarizing issue, hopefully you do it in a way that is that brings people um, to a stronger place of being grounded in a Christian evaluation of that issue. You know, so I I think it's okay to do occasional polarize. But if you're basically trying to create polarization, of people, I think that will backfire as well. I think that what you'll find is even if you have a large following, you have an empty effect and impact is relatively empty. And so that's my my personal view on that. Yeah, so I, I like the idea of covering controversial topics, but it's the way in which it's covered to me that, that where that's where the Christian character should jump in. Yeah, that's good. I, I've seen some content creators where they seem to fuel everything that they do based on what they're against. So it's constantly like 
calling out their political enemies, calling out other denominations, calling out just anyone they disagree with and basically saying that, oh, these people are bad. You will engage with topics. I feel like you attack ideas, but not people. And you'll engage, like for instance, like the Passion Translation. Like it's very known by people who listen to your content that you are, you're not a fan of the Passion Translation. But I feel like you've handled it pretty respectfully. How, how do you do that? How, how, do you, how do you engage with ideas that you very much disagree with, but, but retaining respect for the people that hold those ideas or even the ones who originate those ideas? Yeah. So there's two things that immediately come to mind. One is the idea of Jesus talking about removing the plank from our own eye before we seek to remove the speck from our brother's eye. And so it's like, hey, I want to make sure that I'm not sinning in my attempt to correct others. Galatians says the same thing. If anyone among you is, you know, is sinning, let the one who is spiritual restore him in a spirit of gentleness, consider yourself lest you also be tempted. So there's this like danger that in correction, I'm always at risk of becoming in the flesh. And so I'm aware of that. Mm. The other issue is in my head, my audience are reasonable people <laughs> and they're not looking, they don't, they're not like a mob who needs to be told who to throw stones at, but rather they're reasonable people who want to think things through, but they want to be faithful to Christ. So I talk as though I'm talking to those people who aren't mm. going to be like, Mike, I'll, I'll reject the passion if you demonize it enough. But instead they're like, <laughs> you know, is it really a problem? I'd like to know. Can you, can you show it? Can you walk me through that? I'd like to know that. And so, mm. I, yeah, those are the two things, self-awareness and then awareness of the audience in that regard too. Yeah. Mm, that's good. What, what would you say for anyone interested in starting out an online ministry, just based on what you know, if you could give somebody just a rough pointer on this, what, what is an effective way to grow an online ministry because everyone does want to see growth in their ministry. Like, like for me, like I've had to learn the lesson of focusing on growing people rather than growing numbers, like focusing on who God's given me and being like, instead of trying to figure out how can I get this room of 20 students to like a room of 200, how can I do a good job with these 20 first? But, but I think everyone does want to see their reach broaden and they want to help more people. And th it's not going to happen for everybody. Uh, some people, you, you might just minister to 220 or 200 for your entire life. And that's what God has. And I don't think that that means that you're any less important than anyone else. But the question is, what are some good methods, I guess, for growth? Yeah. So there's a bunch of stuff. I'm going to quickly just shotgun out a bunch of advice real quick. So one of them is make it platform specific. Don't mm. use Twitter to grow YouTube. Use Twitter <laughs> for Twitter. Don't use YouTube mm. to grow Facebook or to grow your website. Use YouTube for YouTube. Each platform will reward the person that works to expand the platform and not to mm. redirect people off of the platform. That's actually really a big deal, in my opinion. So learn how to, you know, whatever your platform is, say podcast, learn how to like feed into that podcast platform so that it grows. So the whole platform mm. benefits from your presence. Other things focus on people, not algorithms. So there is there are YouTube algorithms. There's actually technically a ton of them. So algorithms, plural. But what we right. think is like, oh, if I put if I do this to the thumbnail, if I pack keywords into it, everything's so advanced now that the algorithms now are following the people. So if you mm. focus on the audience and you think about your 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 audience instead of the algorithms, you are going to do much better, actually. But if mm. you make content for the algorithms, which was great in 2007, doesn't work in 2021. So mm. I think that we have to grow with the platform. Let me see. The way to do this is to get your target audience in mind. This applies to any platform you're on right now that I'm aware of is you have to have right. a specific target audience. So you have to think of your content not as like a TV station, but almost mm. like a TV show. 
where yeah. a TV yeah. station may have a variety of different content. You you don't want too much variety. Right now, it's better to do one sort of really similar type of content, and then you reproduce this content over and over again, not saying exactly the same thing, but content that appeals to the same needs, meets the same needs. So for me, the cohesion is thinking biblically about everything, people who want to have an actual examination, a thoughtful, intellectual, and hopefully godly examination of what scripture says about different issues and how it applies mm -hmm. in real life situations. So when, when they ask me, like, do you think my pet goes to heaven? They, they, my audience knows they expect me to like go to scripture and walk through why don't just proof text, but walk through this verse. Why would it mean that they've come to expect this from me because I've consistently brought it. But if mm -hmm. I was like, all over the place, which is what most people do. Most people are all over the place. Their topics are really varied. There isn't a consistent experience for people. So that would be yeah. another thing to, to, to mention. Target audience, mm. and then, and here's what I do with every video, is ask yourself this, who am I helping? How am I helping them? And if mm. you keep that in mind, I know this might sound like cheesy advice. I'm just, this is what I do, and I think it's I think it works. Who am I helping with this particular video? Now put mm. that person in your head and make the video so that it will help them. You know, and it's good. If you're just all about people and benefiting them, then your content can grow. And because your content's consistent, when a person finds one of your video, audio, whatever, they tend to want to watch the other ones. Right. Because it's not this random, inconsistent thing. So those are a couple things, yeah. That's good, man. Like, <laughs> there's been so much that you've said in this conversation that's just been like validation <laughs> for stuff that we're trying, where it's like, oh, cool, like that actually could work. Because, you know, uh, something that we were doing at one point uh, a few months ago was, we were doing podcasts and for us, like, I love what you're saying about finding your niche, you know, mm -hmm. because for us, like we've realized me and Brian, we, we've realized when this show started, we, did, we had no direction for it. It was basically just like we're two verbal processors and we just want to talk about theology and ministry and stuff. But it's developed into this tagline for our show, which is no easy answers. And it's this idea of we're not going to give you the stock pastoral responses to things, but we're actually going to think critically through things and and take a lot of nuanced detours in the conversation and, and kind of look at things from every angle mm -hmm. while trying to discover biblical truth and, you know, not going all postmodern, you know, where it's like, oh, there is no truth. Like, no, yeah, we want right. to find the truth, but we're... <laughs> where like, you pretend so, to be so intellectual, we, but you're really just going to feel the rest of your <laughs> life out. <laughs> right. No. So we did... This is, this is a clear example of that. We, yeah. we, did, we did two episodes to answer the question, should Christians watch sex scenes? And... Our answer was no, but we took two hours to like get to like why we thought that and really flesh it out. And a friend of mine was like, why didn't, why didn't you just do a five minute episode where you just were like, here's, here's three verses and here's why. And here's like the answer is no, you shouldn't watch them. Mm -hmm. And we were kind of like, well, that's not what we're doing with this show. Like, and that's not what the audience seems to appreciate. They, they like that we're taking our time with these questions and, and really thinking through them. So I think that's that's a really important part of it. Yeah. And then and the if other you do thing that, if you do that consistently, then what happens is your audience goes, I like the process that they do on these videos. Mm -hmm. Like that's the consistent value. So then I go yeah. and I look through your video or your your podcast episodes and I'm like, oh, here's a topic I'd like to see them do that with. Right. Like mm -hmm. I've created an expectation in the audience so that they're willing to go and back and rewatch old content because I've been so consistent. Yes. And and that's very much speaking to me in, in what we need to continue to do with this show. And then the other thing you're talking about is that idea of finding people that it ministers to and focusing on the people rather than the idea of just the nebulous like crowd. And and that that is very much something that is on my heart with this show because I was doing this for a while and I just felt like 
I was just putting messages in bottles and throwing them out into the ocean and not knowing if they're reaching anybody. And then also like I was trying to do multiple things. I was trying to do video and do a YouTube channel on top of the podcast. And I was just like getting discouraged because I was like, Mm. this is so much work, but the podcast is suffering because I'm trying to do all this YouTube stuff. And I felt like the Lord kind of redirected me and was like, okay, you need to get back into ministering to people. How can you do that? Focus your time on that. So we actually started a Monday night Bible study that is basically connected to this podcast. And it's like any young adults that listen to the show that want to be a part of it can. And so we meet on Monday nights on Zoom mm-hmm. and we do a Bible study and it's, and, and it's been cool because everything flows together. So it's like I'm, I, the people who are at that Bible study listen to the show, but then we're talking to those people saying, hey, like, how can we do better? Like, what are some topics that are on your guys's heart? Yeah. And so they're able to influence kind of what, what the content becomes later on. And I found that to be a much more rewarding process where it's like, yeah. maybe we're not getting a bunch of new listeners from that, but it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's increasing the ministry value, I think. Yeah, I, I think that that's great because you, you, you're thinking real people, not, mm. you know, how's Google going to handle this? It's like, ah, follow, you know, right. give it to the people. The other thing too, though, that I would consider, Aaron, is this is something we've all... Is, is have issues with like I have a Twitter I'm on Facebook I have an inactive Instagram account I I hate TikTok <laughs> and I, I I hope that me too <laughs> I hope that it is a fad and, and I feel so old now but I, think, I hate I think TikTok. it has to be a fad because it's so horrible it's just so horrible <laughs> anyway but the question we have to ask is this can I really do well on multiple platforms like yeah not I mean because theoretically you can't but no can I do well on multiple platforms and my answer to that is I can do well on YouTube. Yeah. I will dabble in other platforms. I will focus on YouTube. That's just how much time I have. And yeah. and I think it's okay to it's pick one <laughs> to pick one and dabble in the others and say, here's my here's my main yeah. focus. I have my foot over here in case one day I decide to do something with that. But but my main focus is here. This is the platform I'm gonna know. I'll I'll learn it. I'll know if I'm on podcast, then I know that on average I have, I don't know, it's something a minute and 20 seconds to hook a, a viewer's interest. But I know on YouTube I have like less than 10 seconds. I know on Facebook, I have less than three seconds. So that means the intro of my content will be different depending on which platform I'm focusing on. So like focus on one, make that the one you do the best. That's my advice anyways. People obviously break the rules if it works for you, but that's what I I think is a good idea. No, that's really good because I feel like the temptation for a lot of people is like there there is that temptation where it's like I have to be on every platform and doing everything I do at the same level on every platform if I want to be yeah. successful or, or meet the standard. And, and and what you're saying is exactly where the Lord's brought me, where it's like, you only have limited time. You're about to have your first son. You need to be a good husband. You know, you need to be still doing some sort of local ministry stuff. Just can just have having time to like even go get coffee with people and pour into them at mm-hmm. a local level. So it's like, can you really do all that yeah. and also do a podcast really well and YouTube and all this stuff? Right. And it's like, the answer is actually no. Yeah, it's so tough. it's like, and when you consider the fact that each platform has a different content strategy associated with mm-hmm, it, like mm-hmm. Twitter doesn't work the way YouTube works. If I want to do Twitter, I need to do different. So I need to do unique content or at least repackaged content for each yeah. platform. And that to me is beyond what one man can do. If I had a staff, it'd be different. I don't want a staff. I'm not looking to create a giant ministry. I'm just looking to have a giant reach, which is, yeah. I know it's a weird thing to say, but that's, that's the goal. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. I, for, for me, I feel like, and this is just the self-doubting in me because I always self-doubt everything I do. And so 
you know, I am at the point in my life where basically I'm, I don't go into any ministry idea thinking this is going to be successful and reach a, a bunch of people. It's more along the lines of like, well, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Like, I, I hope it helps somebody. I don't know if it will. So for, for me, with Good Lion, uh, Good Lion Ministries is kind of the, the branch of, of what I do with the network. It's the podcast and the Bible study and all that stuff. But my thought process is if I'm going to do other platforms, it'll have to be God making it clear that I'm supposed to. Mm-hmm. And then ideally, he's going to bring volunteers to step in and say, hey, let me run the YouTube portion of what you're doing. And you you can shoot the content, but I'll edit it and upload it and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, I don't want to force that and like, you know, pressure people into helping me with that. I feel like it's going to be an organic thing where if God wants it to happen, he'll bring the right people. Cause that's always how it was in youth ministry. Yeah. Like God would bring the right people and they'd show up and say, this is my skill. This is how I want to help. If you're listening and you're like, I would love to help with that. Send me an email. But yeah, it's, it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like, <laughs> yep. God has to do it. You can't force it. And, and yeah. And that, and that's, this, this has been something for me too. That's been, I'll say it as simply as possible. We forget that we're the body of Christ. We forget everybody's trying to be the next Spurgeon. We grow up here in like heroes of the faith. Everyone's trying to be the next Chuck Smith. It's this idea of my thing has to be huge. And it's like, well, the body is huge. You're mm-hmm. a body part. Like the, the analogy that I give is like, if a hand is, or if, 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 if the right hand is grabbing a thousand people to be ministered to, and the left hand is grabbing 50, that's still the same body grabbing the same amount of people. So it's like, why are you tripping out that you're grabbing a smaller amount? You're, you're a part of a body, a body of believers that is reaching so many people all around the world. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I tell myself, at least to make myself feel better, is uh, just remember you're a part of the body, you know, and that, you know, Mike Winger's doing great stuff and you're a part of the same body that he is. And, yeah. and so just be encouraged in that, I guess. And, and uh, don't don't try to force things to happen when God hasn't called you to. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And is, and the patience, I mean. If only people knew how content I have been with tiny reach and little views. And I didn't yeah, realize I'm how, hearing that. Yeah, I didn't I'm realize how important that. that was later down the road because now I see Christians trying and then quitting. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. you were growing faster than I was growing. Mm-hmm. But you're just, you just thought it would be quicker. That's the thing. Like, you, you know, it took me two years to get where it took you three months to get. So, I mean, you quit. That's too bad. Maybe if you wait another five years, you would have had a great ministry. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's great. I love, I love all that. This has been a really good conversation. I I think as we're wrapping this up, there's a few things I want to touch on. One, you're trying to, you're trying to inspire a new generation of content creators. I'm hoping that this episode, even if it just inspires one person to make more content, uh, that is awesome. And that then it's done its job. Have you ever considered like forming kind of like what we did with the podcast network, you know, like, like we we're, we're trying to create a place where content creators in the podcast sphere can like be elevated and encouraged and have some community and, and, and support for one another. Have you, have you ever thought about like trying to form like a little network of like, Christian content creators where it's not just you? Cause I know right now you're doing uh, tutorial videos that are helping people, but have you ever thought about like taking it further and sort of being like a team leader in a sense of, of, of young content creators where it's like, they're looking to you to disciple them in that. Have, have you ever thought about that? Um, unfortunately, I just lack the time. So right now, here's why I'm doing That's this good. second YouTube channel where I've <clears throat> where I'm giving away all, all the information I've got and all the training I can come up with, and it's just free. It's all there for free. I'm not selling anything there. 
at least not at the moment. <laughs> so I don't I don't plan on it. But but the reason why I did that is because I was doing it privately. And I've done it over and over again in conversations where I consult with someone and I go look at their channel and I look at their content and I talk to them about all this stuff. You know, I would spend like an hour and a half, right. two hours on the phone with a guy. A week later, somebody else is like, hey, can you help me? And I'm going, I can't keep doing this. I don't have the time to keep streamline, doing it. streamline the process. So that's when I said, you know, I'm just going to make a second channel. I'll put some of the advice on there. I'll share it on there. And that will be the way in which I will assist a larger number of people. And so that's good. So that's the reason that's for it is, is just I have so been down the road, Aaron. I've already said this, but I've been down the road of working too much and taking on too much. And mm. I now have to say no to stuff constantly or else mm. I will lose my sanity. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, man. Know your limitations. I, I think that's really important. And I think all of us listening, anyone listening to this, that's like me that has a creative bent, heart for ministry, all that kind of stuff. This is good for us to hear. Know your limitations. It's not a handicap. It's a good thing from the Lord. And, it, and it's like, it puts us, it forces us in a position where we have to trust the Lord. That's what I've realized, where it's like, I want to do a million things. Like when I first started the podcast network, Mike, I was running like five podcasts at once. I had the Good Lion podcast, Ask a Youth Pastor, Q&A stuff. I had a devotional one. I was doing one where I was getting people's testimonies, getting them to share their testimonies. And then eventually I was like, what am I doing? I'm doing nothing well. I'm doing a lot of things, but I'm doing nothing well. Yeah. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's like we have to know the limitations and, and, and just realize we, we, we only have one life we can live and we're all a part of one big body that's doing things. So we, you don't have to do everything. Just do the specific thing that God's calling you to do and then trust him with the rest. So, Mike, I think the last thing that I would ask you is we, we've talked a lot about, you know, what does success look like? We, we, we've kind of talked about this idea of, you know, like somebody out there who's doing this with all of their heart and let's say it never grows beyond 100 or 200 views on YouTube. Like, w would you say it's still worth it for them to do it if, if God's called them to? Like, is is that worth the time and effort, you think? I mean, if it, if that's not worth it, then 13 years as a youth pastor wasn't really very much worth it for me mm. because... Well said. <laughs> and I think it was worth it, by the way, <laughs> but because I, because <laughs> I never had a room with 150 kids. Yeah. Yes, that that is totally, I think, the perspective that, that we need to have, where it's like, it's all for the Lord. It's not about numbers. Numbers can be great, but it doesn't, like, the, the, mark of, the mark of success should not be numbers. It should be, like Eugene Peterson says, a, a long obedience in the same direction, you know, doing what God's called us to do. So I've wrestled and, with this. Hold on, let me just say this, because I've wrestled with this issue. It's like, numbers don't matter. And then, like, what if, like, you get a letter from a hundred people this month talking about how you change their lives. And then you're like, mm -hmm. well, maybe numbers matter. Wait, wait, they don't matter. They do matter. What is it? Here's, here's how I want to view it. I want to say numbers matter, but the number one also matters. Hmm. Like one, one is a number that matters. Yes. A million matters, but so does one. And the danger hmm. in thinking numbers matter is thinking that small numbers don't matter. And that's, that yeah. to me, that's the danger. So I, I, I want to say they matter. They just, they matter when they're could, small. Could, could this be a good way of looking at it? Numbers matter in the sense of what numbers are God calling you to? Like you could be the most brilliant <clears throat> theologian in the world. I, I think Tim Mackey is brilliant. I love his stuff. He has helped me think through how to preach scripture and see Jesus throughout scripture. 
you know, and he's reaching like millions of people through the Bible project. But what if God only called him to be a youth pastor of 30 people and give all of that energy to them? Then, then that would be what he was supposed to do. But then the flip side of it is, what if God is calling you to a bigger audience and then you're scared of going there? You know, you're scared of going further because you don't have, that's what I would struggle with. If God came to me and was like, I want you to reach uh, a million people with what you're doing. My first reaction would be, I don't think I can. Like, I don't think I can grow to that, God. You would have to basically make it happen supernaturally. And, it, you know, if God told me he wanted me to put in the work to make it happen, I would, I would, I would freak out at that. So I, is that a good way of looking at it? Is <clears throat> the numbers matter in a sense of what, what numbers are God calling you to? Yeah, well, I, I, I guess w when I say numbers matter, what I want to do is let people realize, like, obviously you're going to be happy happier, you know, when you, you reach a million people for Christ, like, and then if <laughs> right, someone's like, well, right. numbers don't matter. And you're like, I think those million people matter. Like, what do you mean? They don't matter. But if you reach one, does that not also matter? Is, isn't one person so precious and, and, you know, valuable that ministry to them is worth it? Or yeah, are it's they, an, it's enough that the angels rejoice. Yeah, or are they just a number to you? Is that all mm. they are as a number, not a, not a whole person. But on the other side, I, I also think that we can't really measure the impact of our ministries on this side. I have a really big reach now, but what if like scandal carries my name in the next 10 years? And it's sort of like I leave more damage in my wake than I did blessings. You, you just don't know. Okay. Like, you know, you don't know. And there's those who like have labored and labored and labored and administered to one person and that one person reached millions and then their labor was seen in the fruit of that person's life. So it's just like really, we're really bad at measuring these things now, which is why I, I, I care about numbers in a sense, like because I care about people. Let's just put it that way. I care about people and individuals. Right. But I care about right. one as well. I don't discount them. But I, I focus on faithfulness, and that's what we need to focus on. Just be faithful. You know, good. plod forward and be faithful. That's good. So, so, so then the final, final question would be: What, what, what role does ego play in all this? And how can you? How do you? Like, I'm sure you've seen people who've gotten into this for the wrong reasons. How, how do you? Just what goes through your heart and mind when you see that? And then how do you avoid that yourself? And how do you encourage other people to yeah. avoid that themselves? Okay, let me, I'm going to give it a, an analogy here. I think most online creators have plenty of complainy things to say about pastors they've known. <laughs> and they would all nod their heads in quick agreement about the arrogance of pastors, about the abuse of authority, about self-seeking leaders. But my fear is that we then get online and we act like we're not the same people. When when you start an online thing and your name becomes more known and people have more respect for you, if there is any ounce of pride in you, it will turn into a pound and <laughs> and it will be seen what, whether people recognize it online. Because some people are really good, like they always have a face on, like at all times, there's always a face. And so you wouldn't know they, they, they even in their cries of how humble they are, there's just pride is behind that. Then, oh, the Lord knows all that stuff. But. Mm. But my, my wow, thought is this yeah. is this changes how we handle issues. When I when I confront a problem, I'm gonna if I if if I let my ego in there, if this is about defending myself instead of discovering truth, it's gonna hurt me in so many myriad of ways. And the fact that so many people around the world really want online fame, and the mm -hmm. fact that online ministry is a is a great potential for doing ministry, we have two very conflicting motives that can come together in a person. Well, well, yeah, because they've done surveys. I mean, you and I both know this as from being youth pastors, but they've done surveys of teenagers, you know, Gen Z and even, even millennials. They were doing surveys of this when, you know, people like me were younger in their teens. And 
asking them like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it was like, I want to be a YouTuber. Right. I want to be an Instagram influencer. I right. want to be like that. That's this highest ideal because what we've, what society has taught us at this point is you are only worth as many followers as you have. Yeah. And if you have a ton of followers, then what you say deserves to be listened to. If you have 10 followers on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, it's like, who cares about you? And so that's drilled into people's minds. And so in ministry, I think you can step into online ministry and kind of carry those same principles where it's like, I have to be successful. Right. People. So let me give you some examples. This has always been the case for ministry though. So I'm not saying don't do it because of this danger, but if we're not aware of the danger, we're going to fall into it. But there are Mm. people who become pastors because they like the praise of men and they like having authority over people's lives. That's yeah. very unfortunate mm. and they cause a lot of harm. There are people who become mm. worship leaders because they want m- musician fame and they like being on stage and they want to be in front of people. Mm. There are others who become say worship leaders because they love God and the idea of worshiping him and assisting others in worshiping him, it just they just love it. And they and so in other words there's pure motives and impure motives. And it's the same for online stuff. There's plenty of impure motives going on. All the examples online are carnal. All the all the influencers, mm-hmm. they don't generally have a Christian or godly attitude about things. And so we have to come and be the light in the dark. We have to be the oddballs. We have to be the weird ones <laughs> who are there saying, I am literally going to be here for the kingdom of God and not for myself. I'm not adding Christianity mm-hmm. onto my content. This is for the Lord, right? This mm-hmm. is not just an addition. And so... I mean, this will affect us in a million billion ways as you make decisions about your content, what you'll do, how you'll do it, what you say, how you respond. But forget piety. Let's say that you think for anybody who's listening, they think uh, I'm just trying to talk about how great I am. Like, okay, let's just assume that I'm the worst at this. And just Mm -hmm. just and let's just talk about the fact pride will destroy your ability to serve the Lord and pride and self-seeking and the desire for for catharsis through likes and attention and all that kind of thing. That's very mm. dangerous for online ministry. It's a temptation mm. I will face. It's a temptation you mm. will face. And so we've got to like become like internally like a monk who doesn't care and <laughs> yeah. who just thinks yeah, about good. faithfulness. That's mm. all you're thinking about. How do I use this for the Lord? That's it. Mm. Because otherwise mm. it, and it will be a temptation for all of us. Yeah. Wow. That's really, really good, man. Everything, everything this has been so helpful and, and so encouraging. And I, I just appreciate your heart and your ministry and the way that you think about these things. I hope that this conversation is a massive encouragement to anybody who has a heart to do ministry in this day and age, who maybe the local church ministry path is not the path that God has called for you. And he's calling you into something different. And I hope, I hope Mike here and what he's had to say has, has cleared up some of the misconceptions and, and just just given like some clarity on things. At least it has for me. Like like I said, like there's been a lot of things you've thrown out where it's been like, oh, validation and encouragement. <laughs> right and so good, good. even if this conversation is just for me, you, just I'm the one. We need more people going know? for it. Aaron, <laughs> I was just a youth pastor with a $90 webcam <laughs> just recording stuff and throwing it up online going, I don't know, maybe like, <laughs> you know, and, mm. and I'm just saying like anybody can do it potentially just... Just do it for the right reasons and do it with all your heart and be willing to be very, very faithful and patient in it. Mm, It's good, man. It's good. 
Thanks for listening to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. If you like our show, please take a minute to give us a review on iTunes. It seriously helps so much. The more reviews we get, the more people will find us. And so if you want to help the show, please just go on iTunes and leave a quick review. We also love questions from listeners and we love to do episodes focused on questions. So if you have a question and you want us to talk about on the show, send it to our email address, which is goodlionnetwork at gmail.com. Send us a question. We'd love to talk about it on the show. The Good Lion Podcast is a production of the Calvary Global Network, and it's produced by myself, Aaron Salvato, and my co-host, Brian Higgins. Our show is a part of the Good Lion Podcast Network, a network of Christian podcasters that Brian and I started with our friends. Check out our website, goodlion.io, where you can find a ton of other Christ-centered, encouraging, and equipping podcasts. Our goal with this ministry is to reach people all over the world with Christ-centered content that helps them as they walk closer with Jesus. If you like what we do and you want to support us, go to goodlion.io support. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.